Life is like a series of patterns consist of routines, habits, rhythms, emotions, and decisions. All these ebbs and flows in and about a shape of a waveform. It is consistently inconsistent, sometimes random. Though we can anticipate its measure and make our own calculation, just like life, it will be unpredictable if we don't know where we're going. Here at Patterns of Life podcast, Every conversation attempts to explore our human nature through honest conversation. From the simple details of the mundane life to discovering the depth of your why, hoping that this will help us figure out what doesn't work and what does work for you. Sometimes I forget about some of those more important relationships that I might have. Yeah. Right now, as you know, a lot of preparation for becoming a father, the, the news of the pregnancy and it's mm. being sustained yeah. after such a tragedy Yeah. Uh, back in November when we yeah. found out about the miscarriage. This has been like we were holding our breaths for a while, like our heads were underwater mm. and we didn't. I think Steph and I both weren't so sure. We weren't yeah. certain. We we kind of didn't go to that place of rejoicing about the news like you would normally. Mm. And what was interesting for my wife was that she was trying to, as best as she could, preserve herself. When yeah. that's like the worst thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. When when God's inviting you to trust him. So every single day it's been crazy, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, chaotic. The only thing that keeps me centered is really having maybe like a, a list of list of tasks that I have to accomplish mm. throughout the day, and and then you get that sudden rush of you know whatever chemicals might be going on in the brain when you finish some of these things. You're like, yes, now I'm going to be yeah. looking at this, and yeah. my wife's tasked me to look for a new apartment, and yeah. she's got these maternal things coming up in her heart. Yeah hormones are flaring and whatnot and it's great it's this beautiful thing now she wants to nest and all the while we have this other traje trajectory that we're mm. looking forward to which is more of the long term which would be across the pond yeah but in the in the interim what does it look like mm. so every single day i can honestly say that i could easily fill up my day with anything and forget about things that might be more important you know yeah I mean, I, I think you're doing something important by doing those tasks for your wife sure. and not just for your wife, but for for your family. Yes. You know, yes. so I think they, they could be important. And man, I, I, I feel like there's a lot to catch up. You know, sure. there is yeah. definitely a lot to catch up. Marriage preparation. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's another story for another day. Um, and I guess now that, you know, you are, you went through grieving and then now there's this new gift that's coming your way and that it was never about you losing your role as a father yeah but it's just You're another right. way of putting it in a different perspective where you know um i mean it's hard to speak from that place because i don't know but i guess where i'm coming from is that how did it look like transitional wise from that space to now and what does your days look like what is your i don't know did you if, did it feel like you lost something in you I would say, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, when when that was going through some of those pains and I've never seen my wife cry like that before. Mm -hmm. There is something about feeling the physical pains, you know, in her stomach and knowing that she was losing the child. Wow. I, I just remember um, trying to get into bed late at night and she she wasn't sleeping. She was weeping. And it was just one of the toughest things to see. Yeah. It was, 
the way that she articulated it was she said that it was like feeling the pains were like this reminder of the death that was happening inside of her wow. and it was really hard when i was trying to meet her where she was at i i didn't know what to do really i didn't yeah. know what to say what can you say I'm, yeah. I'm not the one that was carrying the child but here i am trying to weep with you and doing my best to sympathize if i can't empathize fully and i remember what god was leading me to do was writing things out mm. expressing really myself like yeah. poetry prose yeah. about this child having become a father and nothing can take that away from yeah. us becoming parents already before this this new pregnancy yeah and i remember when i was writing it it was so hard <laughs> It's as if I was trying to shield myself and trying to be that stoic, strong, silent type, you know? And yeah. then when I started to put pen to paper, I'm like, oh, okay, like okay just... so I can't see through the tears right now. Mm. But not only did I do that, I sat next to my wife on the couch one day when we were still going through the thick of the emotions and just the, the amount of depth of, of the sorrow. And I began to read it out loud. I couldn't, I couldn't get through syllables much less words you know wow. and without weeping it was as if i was giving a eulogy so we had given the child a name and it meant something to us it was just an amazing time to to grieve with one another and she knew at that point that i was with her that i was there i was matching what she was feeling i was going yeah. there i wasn't afraid to go there like uh, yeah. i would say the next guy would you know like, trying to be strong but maybe in the wrong way you know? yeah so yeah, that was tough. But now, here we are taking on sort of a whirlwind. Yeah. And I feel, I do feel this sense of joy come over me every time I think about, oh my goodness, I'm going to, not only is this child going to be born, I'm going to be learning something about God that yeah. I never knew before yeah. when I hold my child for the very first time. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know, I, I can't even think of words to try and describe it right now and you just say you know, it excites six months you. Yeah. before you know wow. it definitely excites me and i you know i have to remind myself okay let's stay in the present yeah right let's yeah to you know One i got a lot a of hope there right yeah which sort of at times counteracts my wife's tendency to feel anxious mm. which has been something god's definitely been doing in, in both of us really yeah so yeah and that anxiety is is stemming from will we be losing this again? Yes. Kind of a thing, you know, yeah. which, you know, we have to address that. I mean, it's a reality of what you guys have been through. And from that transition, like, you can't just ignore the fear. No. Like, it, it's it's a possibility, but that's where trust kicks in. Yeah. That's where faith kicks in from God. And that's where even, like, when you ask God, it shall be given, you know. Yeah. And it's something that I don't think, you know, to... I don't know, like from a father's standpoint, like none of us, you know, I wanted to have a child one yeah, day, yeah. you know, and I think about it all the time too. Like, man, like there's no guarantee that I will have a child. But one thing that God teaches me is that, and I, I'm always bent to think that something wrong is going to happen next. And actually on my way here, I'm thinking about like, man, I feel like something wrong is going to happen. Really? And God always reminds me, don't think that way. Right. I, I, I did not create, I, I did not put you in this world to live under fear. I think I resonate to what you're saying with, with Stephanie, feeling yeah. like I, I'm trying to preserve myself to not feel too excited and then something wrong happens yes. and, then, and I just lose it again, even worse, you know? So, you know, I guess processing this with you and being able to understand where you guys are at is, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not fully arriving there, but I think in your case, like I'm, it excites me. Yeah. It excites me, but there's this fear that, huh, what if this is another test? Yes. You know? My wife actually just told me today that yeah. she was sort of afraid that because her tendency is toward anxiety yeah. and not feeling the peace in the present yeah. and the hope in the yeah. future, she will create these scenarios in her head to try and prepare herself as if yeah. she needs to be the one to prepare herself. Yeah. for what's to come tomorrow and the next day and yeah. so on and so forth but i find mm -hmm. when we when we think about what jesus says and what paul says about mm -hmm. not feeling anxious it's a command do not feel anxious yeah 
and it's a it's an opportunity to to express trust when there's mistrust there mm. and that was the real issue with with Seth really in, in, in the heart of it all yeah and when I think about just just some of our conversations recently she's she's admitted that she's not trusting God she's not going to a place of peace she's trying to like if, if she recognizes that she has a symptom that she hasn't felt before and there's so many right yeah 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 google google yeah yeah WebMD, which is a really bad idea to right do. Yeah. and then uh, here's a here's a word i can't pronounce it's a long word it's some kind of condition oh no i find out that it's going to affect the baby and then so on so forth you jump to all these different conclusions yeah which is this is not healthy mentally so there is a perfect correspondence with the peace and the mercy and the grace that God shows us mm -hmm. and the troubles that we experience every single day. Mm -hmm. There's a perfect correspondence. We have to trust him on that. Yeah. So for today and only for today and then tomorrow will have its own troubles. Yeah, right? Tomorrow has its own troubles. Exactly. Because, right. Because Steph tends to look at the, the long run like, I don't know if I can get through this, but that's yeah. exactly what God wants you to say yeah. because you really need to put your trust in him. Because tomorrow he's going to have resources for you that you don't have today and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. That's what we've been discovering yeah. recently and it's been yeah. a breakthrough, yeah. honestly. Yeah, and you depend on you depend on, on him on every step that you take. Right. Which is, I think is, you know, um, my conversation a while ago before was um, we tend to have an orphan spirit where we're yeah, just sure. kind of like, what's my next step? I need guidance. I need somebody to tell me what to do next, you know? And when we kind of, like you were saying, like, it's good to have a task, a list of things to do because you're, you're self-sufficient. Right. But sometimes the task is tricking you from like, I'm good because I have my list, I have my goals, right. I, I'm set. Like, yep. I don't need anyone telling me what to do. Yep. But even then, that task, where did that come from? It has to come from somewhere. It has to be supplied to you to know exactly what you're supposed exactly. to do. And being a husband um, and not becoming a father, like, you have a responsibility that basically creates a task for you. You know, which is the child is the child bearing and, and having a, a child is it's not also from you. Right. You know? Right. And so um, I, I'm learning from this conversation. I'm learning from where you guys are at. And it's just for me, it's hard to comprehend that. Yeah. From losing to now having. Yeah. Um, I guess what did that look like? in your daily life as you keep sure. going on as you keep going to work and you a while ago you said you're, you're tired you're just overspent like uh -huh. i feel like i'm doing all the tasks that two people are supposed to do i yeah you know <laughs> i like to describe it as putting several hats on yeah and and remembering that first and foremost so if you look at my task list there's always I, tr I always try to devote time for my own personal discipline yeah. and oh, intimacy yeah. with God. Otherwise, yeah. there's no way I can get through the rest of the exactly. list because yeah. I'll be burnt out yeah. or, or think that I can somehow in my own strength get through the entire day yeah. with you know several cups of coffee or something <laughs> to fill the tank. Yeah. But, so like this past year we made it a goal Steph and I to read through we, we didn't go, we didn't get on board with the whole Bible in a year but we did the New Testament in a year because for okay. us it seemed more manageable given that we were you know everything that's going yeah. on now yeah. and it's you know kind of ordained I, yeah. I think so the pace is not very fast it's one chapter a day but it's very starting a day one, with one listening chapter a day is good yeah listening yeah. to him is is amazing oh I mean, yeah it, i mean i don't even need a cup of coffee until midday when i when i feel like i really yeah. heard something yeah. and it's different from like studying i'm not really in study mode when i'm listening through the new testament these yeah. days it's more like i do have to prepare a message every saturday but okay. yeah. saturday but as i listen i'm like oh i'm picking up little things that I didn't get before. You know how the, the word is living and breathing. And yeah, like, and you, and you meditate on it day exactly. and night. Yeah. And so that's part of the task list. There's that. Yeah. I yeah. put the other hat on, which is I have to check up on my wife. How's your heart? What's going on there? Are you still feeling anxious about this? Oh. Trying to help her navigate. Just being part of that. I think part of the vocabulary I've been including in, in my conversations is let's let us do this. Let us do this. Yeah, so I, that I'm she doesn't feel too, yeah. alone. Yeah. Or like she has to push me to or remember like, how to can do I help this. you? But exactly. rather, how can we help us? <laughs> right, 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 right. No, no, you're right, you're right. It's like, so yeah. I'll be, it's, it's kind of nerve wracking because yeah. I'm looking around the house. I'm like, okay, 
dishes? Okay. I don't want her to see the dishes dirty. Yeah. I gotta make sure that tonight when I get home, I'm gonna yeah. make sure that by the morning yeah. I'll be fine. Yeah. Looking at the bunnies, because they have, they make a mess. I mean, they really do. I'm doing like what you're saying, the yeah. work of two, <laughs> two people. people, Yeah. but for a good cause. Yeah. For, oh, and then I, I see and witness God's in that. Yeah. Honestly, in my ordering all of the chaos, yeah. All of her thoughts could be like everywhere. And here I'm like, the other day we were writing different scenarios about staying in San Diego, moving to a different place, San Diego, mm. taking a transfer to a different site. Like, it's going to sound crazy, but Arizona as an yeah. interim place, yeah. Phoenix. You're just kind of playing, playing through yeah. these, the, the scenarios and writing these pros and cons so that Steph can see these things so that we can discern and get clarity. Because yeah. for her, it's like, she needs options it's floating everywhere yeah. and here i'm trying to collect everything that she's thinking and feeling and organizing it mm. and it's the whole dry erase board thing because you know visual and we yeah. need and i'm tactile so i'm writing it all out so we yeah. can see it together that's good like that's not that's a non-factor let me cross that out or no this isn't going to work you know like the transfer turns that's out really good. that's probably not going to work that's really good the only reason why we want to go to arizona is because it's temporary because you know because we're really headed for the uk Right, right. So, and, it, and I mean, cost of living is, is not as exactly. painful. That's, as part, that's part of the reason. <laughs> yeah. And Steph has these aspirations to be a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And I, I remember, okay, I'll bring this up. This is really yeah. interesting. I've been having conversations with people that don't know God very well yeah. or they're agnostic. Or yeah. They might even be of the de-churched yeah. persuasion. Okay, yeah. where they're like, nope. Yeah. Organized religion, nope, I'm, I'm yeah. not really in for that. Yeah. And as I'm having these conversations, one of the topics that would come up is the role of men and women. Okay. So I hold to, yeah. I, I don't want to hold too firmly to it, but I lean to, toward a complementarian kind of a view, which is to say that there is these unique differences and distinctions between men and women that are beautiful, that are harmonious, yeah. right? Rather than egalitarian. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And nothing wrong with that yeah. too, because I have yeah. a lot, one of my best friends is egalitarian. Love him. Yeah. I, his marriage works a little bit differently than mine. But see, outside looking in, I'm talking to this person. I'm saying like, look, I I don't want to move to Arizona, but my wife wants to be a stay-at-home mom. In fact, she actually wants to homeschool the kids at some point, you know, like Leo does, yeah. right? Yeah. And how are we going to do that on one income, right? How are we going to do that? We got to move. But I yeah. love California. My community's here. Yeah. My family's yeah. here. I'm gonna sacrifice that for the sake of her aspirations and the things that she's feeling drawn to. Mm. See, outside looking in, they might, oh, is she wearing the pants? Is she the one leading it? No, no, I'm actually the one that's laying down my aspirations and my goals for the sake of my wife, like Christ did for the church. You lay down your life, yeah. Right. Yeah. But on the outside, it looks like she's bossing me around. (laughs) It's kind of funny, right? They're like, are you guys egalitarian? I'm like, no, 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 no. I love my wife. Yeah. And and if it means moving to Arizona, then I'll do it. If it means not even pursuing a full vocational ministry job of, of some kind, mm. that's fine. That's what I was willing to do. Mm. And and when I when I'm willing to do that and Steph sees that, she she blossoms right before my eyes instead of like this tug of war, like mm. this two-headed monster waiting to eat one another up yeah. you know that kind of a yeah. thing. we chop we chop our heads off and christ is really the head of our relationship yeah so anyway not to yeah. go too far afield on that but yeah. i just that just happened recently okay as we were talking about all these different yeah. scenarios and i was talking to that person who's an agnostic like yeah. you see that men and women in the church have these very vibrant different complementarian yeah um differences that are beautiful. I mean, there's always different camps, you know? There's always gonna be left field and right field. And and I think it's it's how do you address it peaceably? How do you address it in a way where, you know, we gently, casually, civil address these differences, yeah. but not necessarily be a bigot about it. Because, yeah. I mean, even the word bigot, it kind of just puts a label on people. Right. You're intolerant and I'm not. And there's always gonna be those two sides, you know? And for a while, I've a lot of conversation with people about this like this there's always going to be different camps even in religion even in denominations you right know? right but how do we how do we meet in the middle and i resonate to what you were saying about i mean i totally resonate when you say like you know when you when you have preferences in a relationship and suddenly you try to like swallow up each other and like <laughs> right right 
is it actually wrong to say what my preference is? Is it, is it wrong? Is it, does it have to be an argument? Does it have to feel like she is the woman that wears the pants because I get to just say yes to her preferences, you know? And so I think there's a balance to those things, but one part of it is that I, I like, I just have to be gentle when I go about discussing these things to her. And sometimes when, when we do want to lay down our lives, there's part of us that's like, do you really want to lay down your life for somebody? Or are you just <laughs> kind of doing it so that we avoid conflict? Yes. So, totally and I'm, I'm learning from that too, as you talk about these things, because fully laying down your life, and as you talk about this, like I can see your face glow up. Yeah. Like you have no problems with, you know, you're loyal to her, right? And you don't have problems with laying down some of these options and things that you're you have to sacrifice in a way to make her to make it work complementary for both of you. Right. Because if you lose ministry, it's never that you you can't do ministry wherever you are. Right. You know. So I'm just learning from that, and then for me, I'm I'm also learning that maybe it doesn't necessarily mean I don't speak up about my preferences. It's just that we just have to lay that down on the table and see what really does work for us. Yeah. What really is the reason behind why you can't and cannot do certain things or why we can't, and especially using the language we, rather than like, why I want this? I, yeah, exactly. But then like, I start yeah. to use like, why can't we? Or rather than saying, I can't do this. This is my preference, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I guess like processing well, that. When I, when I consider what leadership is, yeah. biblical leadership, it's servanthood, it's sacrifice. It is akin to the general who doesn't sit in the safety of the way, way back from the from like mm. the front lines where the battle is actually, it's the person who leads the charge, yeah. who goes in there and risks his life first. It's yeah. the, uh, I always point to like a naval kind of illustration mm. where the, the captain goes down with the ship so he lets all of the personnel get on the lifeboats and he goes down with the ship. Mm. There's this, I'm going to get really nerdy now, but if you've ever seen the second Star Trek, the newest, the J.J. The Abrams? Oh, uh, yeah, I have. I have. Okay, so yeah. there's a point in time where there's hostages and he's trying to make a bargain with yeah. the villain. Yeah. And he says to him, take me. Yeah. Let them go. I'm who you want. Yeah. Take me. That's biblical leadership. That's there's something, I mean, there's no other way to experience it when, until you go there. Yeah, because yeah. some people will look at that from the outside. I keep saying from the outsider's perspective, it's like exploitative, but no, it's not actually. I love my wife, and I I'm prepared to do whatever that looks like, and whatever I, it, it takes. And you chose it. It's exactly. not by force, like I was talking about. Exactly. Because yeah, yeah. if you're gonna lay down your life, but you have part of you that doesn't want to do it, then that's kind of exploitative. Yeah, know? right, right. And there is yeah. a chance, there is a chance for them to abuse that. Yeah. So that's the part where like the church can abuse God's yeah. grace that happens yeah. all the time. Yeah. So I do feel at times when we do get into these arguments where it gets really heated, that I feel like the doormat because I'm trying to do my best by the power of God in his mm -hmm. grace mm -hmm. to lay my life down. But when I do, it's like you trample all over everything yeah. that I'm yeah. trying to do yeah. in total disregard. Mm. You see, it can be abused, but that is the nature of the grace. Yeah. It has to have the possibility of being abused in order for it to be true, authentic grace. That's true. <laughs> so yes, true. there's no self-preservation. There's, there's gonna it. be conflict. There's always gonna be conflict. Right, right. Yeah. And you can't preserve the self when you're yeah. doing that. When yeah. you're being Christ-like, you can't preserve the self. You're not, that's the furthest thing away from being Christ-like is to yeah. preserve the self. And yeah. that's what everybody around this world does all the time. Mm. No, I don't wanna commit to you. No, I don't wanna marry a, a, a yeah. push timeline. Yeah. I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. Preserve, preserve, preserve. Yeah. A, a conflict aversion, yeah. non-confrontational. Yeah. Let's just let's just let everybody come. And then you bottle it up and then right. it becomes an issue later right. on. You implode so, later out of yeah. nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, so but that's it's a really good example of, of where you're at, you know, especially from um, where you where you guys are at like four months, six months ago. Yeah. And then and now to the space of, you know, you're willing to keep the stature of, you know, it's I may lose a part of me because of that, you know, because of that tragedy, but it doesn't stop for me to continue to lay my life down for my wife. And it will be a great example to your children, you know, because as a father, it continues on. 
here you are still on that mindset willing to take extra more measures of extra miles because now i bet with 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 stephanie like with the fear and the anxiety that's going on yeah it could be irrational for you right to want to do the certain things that, that laying down your options or your preferences and the things that you you go by just to maybe satisfy her yeah. sometimes her satisfaction may be irrational because of this fear or things that are coming on but at the end of the day i think you you maintain this exemplary of what jesus did yeah. for the for the body of believers and i think if that's encouraging me as i enter into marriage as i become a husband one day or a father one day is that um, the circumstances must never change in me to continue to lay down my life despite of me being all beat up already from right. losing, you know, from miscarriage to yeah. losing a job to whatever that takes my character. And I call it integrity. Yeah. My sure. integrity towards how I love my wife, my children and the body of believers must not change in its loyalty. It is loyalty to how um, I love my God with all my heart, mind, soul and strength. Right. Therefore right. that I love my neighbor just as I love myself. And there's loyalty aspect to this that, you know, despite of what life throws at me, I will continue to still lay down my life, even though there's nothing else to lay down anymore. Uh, to, to some degree, you know, we go back to egalitarian and we go back to complementarian. I think that that command is spoken not just to men, but to women as well. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't just like, men, you're the only one that's going to lay down your life. No, women mm -hmm. surrender. Right. And honor your husbands, right? Just as your husbands loved you. I think it, it it's a compliment. Yes. So I think that's just a, a beautiful picture. Absolutely. Yeah. The transition that you guys are entering in, what does that look like now? Like how close are you guys to um, to UK? Right, that's, that timeline has slowed, slowed down a bit for us. And we, I, I gotta be honest, when we heard the news that we were pregnant and we're as far along as we are now, mm. it did test our resolve. And in an emotional way, you know, yeah. Like this, when you tell your parents, you know, they're the first people that, that we tell news like that, and you see their reaction. And then what we did was we this simultaneous FaceTime thing, and we used one of the bunnies that we are, one of our pets, to announce it. And her mom was in tears. Mm -hmm. My parents were overjoyed. I mean, it was just this great time to have these private conversations. It's, we're not treating one better than the other, so we're doing it simultaneously. So there's no competition. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you know they would gripe about that. Yeah, <laughs> if they found out. Yeah. But yeah, that was our way of, of treating them equally. Hmm. It, it was tested. Are we still going? Was the question from everyone's lips after that? After we started telling people, you know, over time. Mm -hmm. So are you guys still going? Are you guys still going? Like, what does that look like? I mean, but when I think about my daily routine mm -hmm. and what I do in the long term, the, the common theme is mission. Mm -hmm. Common theme is discipleship mm -hmm. and what it means to take part in the Great Commission, which he's doing through us and in us. Yeah. So we're part of the good news that we're spreading. Yeah. For us to sustain this resolve towards the UK is a testament of his work in us because I've and not to name any names, but there are several friends of mine who in the past I've seen them approach ministry and have these great dreams and, and aspirations for themselves as becoming ministers and that mm. being derailed yeah, because of the practical trappings of life, becoming a yeah. husband, becoming a father and all these other things. And now mm. that is a pipe dream for them. Yeah. And they, they, in my opinion, yeah. and it's only my own, it's what I see, maybe it's prophetic, I don't know. They've, they've set that aside, but mm. unwarranted, in an unwarranted way. 
Yeah. They should keep this because primarily our identity is that we are in Christ, that we are followers, we're his disciples. Then we're these other things. I'm a man. I'm a husband. You know, I'm going to be a father. No, all the Those yeah. in that order. Mm. See, everything gets kind of disorganized when you become these other things. And these things sort of take your purpose and put it in the, you know. Yeah. In a, put it in a um, different it boxes. Up, yeah. Exactly. Or compartmentalize yeah. it. Compartmentalize it, yeah. Or the, the, the pastor and minister, the missionary in you gets put on the shelf and it's collecting dust. Yeah. I'm like, what? And what my job is, I think God's calling me to unearth that in people now. Mm. It's like, wait a second, let's, hey, this is sitting over here in your life. What, what happened to this? Remember yeah. when you used to tell me, Gino, I want to do this. I have these. I think God's going to use me in this one. Like, what happened to that? Yeah. So here I am, mm. on the precipice of being able to live out what it looks like to be a missionary, mm. even now, as I go to work every single day, mm. and in the future, mm. in England. Or wherever we might find ourselves, wherever mm. we might be called. Yeah. And so no one can say, oh, well, see, see, it told you, Gino, it was going to be hard when you became a husband and when you became a father. You can't do this ministry thing and mission thing all the time. I'm like, actually, no. It's one and the same. It is completely constituted in my life. That's true. I agree. It's, it's an integrity thing, too. Mm -hmm. It's everything has to be consistent. Yeah. And I can't be a father without being a, a, a disciple. I can't be a husband without being a disciple. I can't separate yeah. or bifurcate those things at yeah. all. You can't be a father if you don't know how to be a son. Precisely, right? Yeah. And, and obviously, more importantly, the son of the Heavenly Father, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. I think it's an opportunity for us to show by example, not just by my words, because I always tell them like, and, and I, I, in the past, I, before I became you know, a married man and now a father, I'm like, why? What happened, right? And like, Gino, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not... You don't have to answer to anybody. Mm -hmm. You're a single guy. I'm like, well, mm -hmm. look at me now. God's doing something in this yeah. regardless of where I'm at seasonally in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, st I'm still as much a missionary and a minister of the gospel, an ambassador of Christ yeah. and the kingdom of God as, as I was in the past. Yeah, that is and your I identity. hope to be in the future. Mm -hmm. And there's no excuses. There's no excuses for that. I'm not yeah. going to sit on the sideline mm -hmm. because I'm going to be helping raise a child. Yeah. I'm still in the game. I might be going at my own pace, but I'm still in the game. Mm -hmm. So I have a saying, ABD, always a -B -D. be discipling. Always be a, discipling. always be, a -B, D, discipling. I love it. It's like, the, it. It's like the sales yeah. thing that always be yeah, closing, right? Yeah, yeah. Always be discipling. A, B, D, every <laughs> single day. What am I doing? I love to, it. You're right, right. Yeah. So. That's uh, good. On my, so part of that, daily routine that kind of links to the greater purpose and the future of where the U UK, UK kind of factors yeah. in is yeah. I'm leading a group, a community at my workplace. I'm mm. leading a digital community on Saturdays. Mm. These things are integrated somehow in, in, in a very intentional way. And then when we go to the UK, it's still gonna, mm -hmm. I'm still gonna sustain these groups. Mm -hmm. I'm not leaving mm -hmm. because I have that digital component that I can still revisit and, mm -hmm. and still be part of these people's lives from thousands and thousands of miles away. Yeah different yeah. time zones but hey i'm willing yeah i'm still going to be tuning into the group that meets at ashford yeah i'm still going to be tuning into people's lives in the bay area and yeah. nashville and everywhere in the united states and hopefully we take it even further it could be global at one point in time we had a guy that was tuning in from oh goodness i can't remember what the you, country you send was. out emails right and then they, yes so yeah. dominican republic was one of them and another one was uh, the netherlands there you go at one time they were both on it was such it was a cool thing to see that the that world is, so cool. is small but massive at the same time that we have this really massive awesome. perspective yeah and that we can still link together through the technology i mean if you think about what the disciples yeah. would do what would they do right mm -hmm. that's the question and i'm attempting to answer that yeah the idea of making it sustainable and it's, it doesn't, it, it's like they don't answer to you. No. Like you're not the only leader that they answer to. Like yep. it keeps going on without Gino. Exactly. And I think that's a good discipleship. Right. You know, way of doing discipleship is that it doesn't fall on me. Right. You know, and then we, we, we basically empowered leaders to carry on the same framework of how God supplied this idea to you, mm -hmm. you know, and they carry that on because the, 
the idea or the concept or the framework around it is discipleship. Exactly. Which is which is us multiplying. Right. You know? And it takes so, various different forms. So yeah. if, if someone were to take this and start their... So I envision this happening. So I have our community here in San Diego, and then there's yeah. one in the Bay Area, one in Nashville, that they can create it, quote unquote, in their own image. Yeah. So whatever their skill sets, their interests, their gifts that God's yeah. given them to express in building up the community and building up one another. Yeah. And then raising another leader and so on and so forth. I, I was just looking at this. I think it was a YouTube video yeah. where it talked about the simple small group model mm. slash home church where each person has two groups. One is the core group for them and the other one is the one that they venture out to start. Mm. The trouble with that is when we talk about multiplying, we always talk about, all right, now you're going to leave and now you're going to leave and go somewhere else and we're never going to talk to you again. <laughs> you know, that's yeah, yeah. not yeah. necessarily. You'll still be part of this group but you're just committing to two communities mm. for various different reasons, to be poured into and to pour out. That's what good multiplication and sustainable multiplication look like. That's good. Yeah. So now we're gonna try and incorporate something. You expand, something. you basically expand. Exactly. You don't branch out and then you forget about the other guys. Right. So, and I not mean, every- branch out is the same thing, but in the context of like, you know what, we're, we're gonna disassociate from you because we already, we already have our tools and everything, so capiche, you know? Right. And it's kind of like yeah. when you're raising a family, and yeah. my my kid, if it's a son or daughter, will grow up at some point and leave yeah. the house and start their own family. But we still talk. We still see each other in the yeah. most important times of our lives, the the, the vital seasons. Like, oh, my, my daughter's going to give birth to their first child. I'm going to have a grandchild. I mean, yeah. imagine that years and years and years from now. I'm still going to be part of their life. We're yeah. still going to have that core group, that core nucleus of our family. The family. The family, the yeah, family exactly. aspect in that. Yeah. So. so what sparked in you? Like, so, but yeah. why, why England? The te- that actually speaks, I, I haven't thought about that in a long time, but that speaks to the, the fact that we are called. Because no matter what we were called to in the, in the interim, because at the time, one of my best friends, Alex, was going to plant a church in Montana invited me and Steph to take part in those conversations. We met with a really big church there with their elder board. It was a really great time to yeah. see what the world is like outside of California. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it was drastically different, mind uh-huh. you. We went there last March, actually, yeah. and it was snowing. Yeah. It was probably one of the, like a record-setting winter season for them in Bozeman. So we got to see the worst of the worst when right. it came to yeah. cold. Crazy, and- yeah. White out, uh-huh. like completely white out, like as if God was taking a white out pen and just, I couldn't see anything. As we were driving, we lost track yeah. of the road, yeah. that kind of a thing. Yeah. So even then we still felt the call to the UK. Mm-hmm. And after, okay, so first and foremost, people thought we were crazy to go on our honeymoon, yeah. to go to the UK on our honeymoon. Like normally it's customary to go to some tropical islands or something. Yeah equatorial weather yeah. you know where it's hot it's beach weather you, you sit by the beach and you're blown into your nice little corona bottles or whatever yeah, yeah, it would yeah, be yeah. but that's not what we the are enemy of like vacation right know? right and it, that's not what we're about so yeah we i mean we're in san diego we can go yeah. to the beach whenever we want so yeah. we wanted something completely different yeah so we went to the cloudy overcast <laughs> rainy england yeah. weather because we value history culture mm literature we we went to go visit c.s lewis's old stomping grounds in oxford ah, you know things awesome. like that that yeah. means something to us yeah so we were drawn there okay and people thought we were crazy for going to for going there on our honeymoon but we it was very the way i can describe it was very picturesque like a storybook unfolding before your eyes you're driving along the british countryside yeah oh my goodness this is beautiful i mean yeah. breathtaking greens yeah. and this last time we went in in november there was the autumn colors yeah. were coming out yeah wow i mean spectacular yeah so we just fell in love with the the setting mm-hmm. the country mm-hmm. but all the while as we were there the first time we were asking a lot of questions it begged the question about what makes the british mind tick you know, like what kinds of struggles do they have? What kinds of idols are in each of these different cities? And they're very liberal. Yes, they are. They're 
yeah, I think the it finally kind of tipped over to mostly secular mm. and or agnostic slash atheist over there now. Wow, they've they're, they're they're Roman Catholic, right? They're predominantly they're, Roman Catholic. No, they're Anglican. So that was the church that broke away from the Catholics. Oh, I see. Way okay. back when, if you've okay. done some of your church history yeah. study, but yeah. Anyway, so we noticed that every city. By the way, every city. Speaking of which, every city we went to, every small village, there was always some kind of a church structure in the mm. center. Okay. But it was a relic. It's empty. No one's in there. Mm. It looks like ruins. Yeah. You know, like it's completely vacant. Yeah. And it wasn't so far removed, if you think about it, from mm. the strong Christian roots. And you think about all those theologians and scholars that have come out of England. Yeah. You know, the Whitfields, mm-hmm. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, yeah. Spurgeon, Chambers, the list goes on. C.S. Lewis. Yeah goes on and on and on yeah those are heroes for many people they get quoted all the time here in the states yeah what happened to that strong faith that strong base two three four generations removed that's what happened so i think about so as i was reading through the new testament throughout throughout this year we got through acts yeah and the first martyr stephen gives a history lesson before Mm. the pharisees and scribes talking about the different generations back in the day, yeah. talking about how the Messiah is Jesus. Yeah, it's as if that when I when I read that this time around, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like a Stephen. Not that I'm going to be martyred, mm-hmm. not that way. I mean, like yeah. going over there, reminding these British people, these nationals. Don't you remember? It was only like your great great granddad who was a strong Christian. Mm. What happened? And why did he believe that? Because it was some kind of a myth that he just took it as. He didn't think about it. There was no rationality involved in their faith. Of course there was. So you point to some of the people that they would think are intellectual giants, like the John Lennox's of the world. Yeah. He's, a, he's a mathematician and a, a strong Christian. That's true. I think Cambridge, I believe. He's a yeah. professor at Cambridge. He's still alive. Yeah. The massive apologist. Um, Alistair McGrath, I think, is another mm. one. Also a Brit. So I think from... Northern Ireland, I, I want yeah. to say. I, I can't remember. But yeah, anyway, strong faith in the remnant of some of those people that are in, in England. So I, that's something that we kind of saw as a lot of scriptural confirmation. And that's just one example. The Stephen yeah. narrative and his teaching yeah. Yeah. before he was stoned to death, right? Yeah. That really stood out to me. And so there's this strong drive because we have seen a lot of our background whether it's our education, our mm. interests, the way that we minister, mm. our mindset, that God has really nurtured and kind of created this, this, this honed these different skill sets and gifts for the purpose we come to find to reach that type of a person. Because awesome. Gino, Gino, why are you going? Why are you? Why can't you just do it here? Well, yeah. there's a reason why me specifically, a California, native California, is called to such a drastic place. Yeah. yeah. Completely drastic change. Yeah. I can't explain it any other way. Yes, I could. To be honest, I could stay here. Yeah. And just be a, you know, a lead pastor, or an associate pastor, or a youth, whatever. Yeah. And do some kind of ministry here, but I cannot... I, I can't shake this feeling. I can't yeah. shake the confirmations. You're I saying can't, you recalled, yeah. Right, I can't turn away from what God is doing in our hearts yeah. and in our minds. Yeah. Everywhere we turn, we're reminded. We're, there's yeah. confirmations. There's people affirming the call. Yeah. There are people mm. that we've met even in the UK who've given us their own testimonies. Like, mm. oh my gosh. There's a guy that we met. He's, he's from Houston, Texas. Young family, him and his wife, two kids, boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. I, so in Stephanie's, if you ask Stephanie about this, like, yeah, his name's Sabino. He's just like, you guys are like the same person. Like, seriously? And me and Samantha are like the same person. This is crazy. It's like an example God's giving us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they live in Plymouth. So funny. Anyway. That's so awesome. Things like that. Oh, and then I can go into the story of how that, how we ended up in Plymouth (laughs) randomly. And that's exactly where we needed to be. I'll, I'll show that maybe a different time. But yeah, it's yeah. it's providential. There's there's providence involved too. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, and it's and and I think it's very encouraging because it's one of those things where I mean, in my own experience of of basically questioning even my own calling, am I supposed to do, be doing what I'm supposed to be doing in terms of starting a business and then 
making disciples in the marketplace, you know, in a marketplace is a whole different animal if you think about it. Yeah. Because like we are, you know, sometimes when we go into a, a you know, um, organized religion, you know, per se, or we call it, you know, we Christians, you know, uh, sometimes we think of discipleship has to only take place in those spaces where it's safe. You know, when you, where you don't, where you're not challenged, where you're not questioned, where you're not persecuted, where you're not, um, where you don't think twice or you don't doubt. And, and even the doubt aspect of it, I, I, you know, for a long time, I thought doubting is, is something that's a taboo as a Christian. Mm. But sometimes t- doubt really causes you to, to find your own counsel out of yourself and not lean on your own understanding, but to actually look into the scriptures and look to God and, and listen, you know. Yeah. And so like when we talk about calling and being called to do a, a specific thing, uh, we will hear from other people. You know, we, we will hear opinions and, and, and people say that, you know, I don't see you fit there or they'll start to test you and question you and challenge you. Just as Peter was to Jesus when Peter was like, um, Lord, I don't think they're gonna accuse you and you're, they're gonna put you to the cross and you're gonna die. I don't think that's gonna happen. And then Jesus was like, get behind me, Satan. You know, and, and I've been studying about Satan in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, even the use of Satan uh, in, I think in Greek or Hebrew, it means hasatan, which means adversary. Mm-hmm. And so Peter was being an adversary to God, which yeah. is like, I'm supposed to do this. It's supposed to happen. So why are you trying to stop me? Yeah. You know, and so sometimes we can be an adversary to ourselves and, yeah. and doubt where we're at. But at the end of the day, I think it's 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 a gift in disguise to actually test us to really see is this really what god wants for me is this where i'm really supposed to go and 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 i mean despite of all of these things that are happening to you you know uh, from from the tragic to a gift that is is it's just a new gift of, of of a child and then you know the delay of all of these things and yet this is still in your mind and yet you still want to make disciples and yet you continue to lay down your life for your wife as an example of what Jesus did on a cross. Was there ever a point in time that you just felt like, you know what, I'm so tired, I don't think I can keep going? Was there ever a point that you doubted and you're like, man, Montana, but then now we have a baby, so when is that gonna happen? And then is Montana still gonna be there? Or then from Montana, it's like, are we really gonna go to UK? And then now you're deciding like, we have to find another place here in San Diego. And so when God gives you a call, or like a destination, you don't know what the journey looks like. Yeah. It's always like, this is your calling, but yeah. you never know what it's gonna look like. You know, I started a business and yeah. then here I am. God wanted me to make disciples in a marketplace. And I'm like, I, I, you know, like I was saying to you in the beginning, like putting myself into the marketplace, meeting a lot of entrepreneurs, meeting a lot of these leaders, motivational speakers and whatnot, and you hear about success. And the success <laughs> is what robs me of the true concept of what success is when you make disciples. Yeah. And so to me, when I enter in that space, it's, it's really difficult. And then I ask myself, am I supposed to be here? I think it's, yeah. I have nothing to show for. I don't have a sustainable business. Yeah. I don't have it all together. But at the same time, you've been through a lot. Was, you know, was it any inkling in time, a moment where you just thought, you know what? I don't, I don't think I'm called for this. Call for what specifically you mean? To go to UK or. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I... And we're talking about a specific assignment because we are really called to make disciples. But yeah. sometimes God redirects it to a certain what a, assignment. Right, you know? right. And I'm open to that. So I've been yeah. I've been hearing from a lot of people, mentors, co-laborers, peers, mm-hmm. and even people who are protégés or apprentices mm-hmm. are saying like, well, can't you just... Why don't, why don't you stay? We need you in California. Or you can do this instead of that. Yeah. And I need to be open for that. And I've been getting this, this sense that people have been saying like, you just need to be open-handed. Like... The commitment, to be fair, the commitment in the UK through one of these organizations is only three years. Mm. So at the end of that three-year stint, I have to be open to staying or leaving. See, that's what I've been hearing from a lot of people. But yeah, to answer your question, I've definitely felt a lot of tugging and pushing and nudging and and doubt about it because, first of all, how is this going to happen? So there is this story of faith that God's writing. Like, there's no possible way that I could do this on my own. So you're going to have to get us there if this is, in fact, you. Mm -hmm. And yes, I'll sell my car. Yes, 
Steph is going to leave her job and we'll have no sense of earthly temporal security and comfort that we can manufacture for yeah. ourselves to now step into this shaky place, it seems, of faith, yeah. where faith yeah. is then starting to be refined to, to blossom, and, and yeah. growing. Exactly. Yeah. In a magnificent way, mind yeah. you. Okay, so I have doubted. Definitely, mm -hmm. it has happened. So reading through the book of Acts, I love the book of Acts, so I always reference it. What I love, love about what too, you yeah. shared mm -hmm. with your own call to the marketplace, there's mm -hmm. a movement in you. Mm -hmm. There's a motioning in you. Mm -hmm. We, and I, I, I say this maybe even prophetically, mm -hmm. I believe that a lot of people have, have had this message. We're, we're too lax about our faith. Mm -hmm. We go through the motions. We are just fitting Jesus into our lives as if we have our, our room. It's all furnished, all nice. And we just want to fit him in there nice and neat. I'm like, no, he's going to throw a stick of dynamite into your room, <laughs> into your place of security. Yeah. And it's going to blow everything up and everything's yeah. going to turn upside down. And you're going to have to remodel. Not you, but God. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel mm. about the West, about America, about mm. American Christianity. It mm. needs to be rocked. It needs mm. to be. It needs to go back to the original fellowship mm -hmm. of, of the first the century, first century man. Yeah. It was a fellowship. It was mm -hmm. family. It wasn't a business. It wasn't mm -hmm. an enterprise. Mm -hmm. There is a quote. I might be butchering it now, but it's a guy named Sam Pasco. Is usually where it's attributed. It started in, so Christianity started in Jerusalem and Palestine as a fellowship. Mm -hmm. So it moved to, I want to say, um, Greece mm -hmm. and became a philosophy. It moved to Rome, became an institution. It moved to the rest of Europe, became a culture, came to America, and it became an enterprise, a business. It no longer has a semblance mm -hmm. of the first century because we fit it too neatly. Yeah. And, and the culture has defined our Christianity to such a degree that we've lost it. It's been diluted. It's not yeah. distilled. It's not yeah. pure anymore. Yeah. So when I talk about home churches, when I talk about these different kinds of ways of doing discipleship, it's like, it, it's crazy for people. It's too radical. Mm -hmm. When I call people back off the sidelines mm -hmm. at work or in my own social spheres, like you're not just a husband and a father, you're a minister of God. Yeah. What happened to that? Yeah. Yeah. I want to shake them. I want to grab them by the collar and shake them. Like, don't you remember what you told me? Don't you remember the people that are hurting, that have no hope, that need the love of God and need to be fulfilled? They're hurting. What yeah. are you doing? Get yeah. off the sideline and get in the game. Yeah. Get yeah. in the motion. My desire from this conversation is for me to keep saying, I don't know. But I want to learn and I want to understand. Just like a song, whether I'm familiar to it or not, I will listen to it hoping to get last song syndrome so I get to keep singing it. Would you agree that life is like a song made of notes, lyrics, instruments, and patterns? And because I got to know you more, now I know how to sing about you. That is how I want to champion you. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Looking forward to catch you over a cup of coffee or a slice of pizza. It's on me.